0: What would that look like scripturally? And <laughs> he gave me some amazing stuff. I, I often think it's because you guys pray so much for me that it. I, it's just like one of my favorite weeks is preparing a sermon for Peace Church because I know that he's going to give me these downloads of just amazing stuff. So I better pray that you guys just get a glimpse of what I got to see this week. Lord, I thank you so much for these dear, dear friends and brothers and sisters here at Peace. I thank you that that passage we heard about in Mark, that they are my hundreds of mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers. And I pray that they would indulge me a little bit in football today. If they hate football, that they'd learn to love it just a little bit more. Uh, if they love football, that they would see it as a picture of your kingdom. Um, of how it's forcefully advancing. I pray, most of all, that you would touch our hearts, that we would be strong and of good courage and ready to go share your unbelievable news of the wealth that we talked about in the lesson this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, you know, naturally, I started to think about, now, what would be the Robbie... All pro team. Bible team. And I had so many candidates that I ended up having to have one for the Old Testament and one for the New Testament. <laughs> and you remember last week we talked about that term and well it's actually a passage in Joshua at the end it's Joshua one six through nine. Jesus the God keeps telling Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And we talked about last time what that word strength meant. So this time I went and I looked up the word courageous, which in Hebrew is amates. And so it's, if I were to read that to you in Hebrew, it would be hazak, mates." You've got to get the oh, hazak." You, know, you can't you know, really, without a cold, say that. <laughs> but <laughs> that word amates, down inside that word in the Hebrew picture language that they use, which is amazing to me, is this idea of eager feet. You know I'm so she's eager feet. Now who in the Bible had eager feet? What? amazing—you know Here's how we pick our all-star, all-pro Bible team. And I started to think about, <clears throat> and I know this movie is a bit profane, but I love movies because pictures, stories are a picture of how the kingdom moves forward. And I don't know how many people saw the movie The Replacements. It's a football movie, It's a little profane, I admit, but it's got an unbelievable message in it. Gene Hackman plays the coach of this group of guys that are essentially, the NFL has gone out on strike, and so they bring in all these what you would call scabs that are going to replace the good players with what would be has-beens or never-been players. And, of course, Gene Hackman's a great coach. He got that from basketball, you know, with the Hoosiers. But... (laughs) Some people know what I'm talking about, but anyway, um, these guys have bought into the fact that they are no longer courageous. They don't have the eager feet they once had when they were in high school and when they were in college. They had really eager feet because, you know, they weren't getting beat up by people three times their size. And the story is that there's this quarterback. His name is Falco in the story, and. In college, he was in, like, the Rose Bowl or one of the major bowls at the end of the – and he made this horrible error, and so he's not remembered for how good he was. He's remembered for this horrible thing that he did, and so he's bought into Satan's lie that has taken away his courage. And Gene Hackman, throughout the movie, he takes his little coach book, and he, he hits himself in the heart time and again. He says, heart, heart, you've got to have lots and lots of heart. And football coaches are all about that. You've got to have heart. And what they're talking about is eager feet. And Gene Hackman says something that's always stuck with me from that movie. He said, Winners always want the ball when the game is on the line. Winners always want the ball when the game is on the line. And so... If we go to the Bible, and we begin to think through this. He's saying this to Joshua. Be strong and be courageous. But Joshua was, talk about eager feet. There were 12 spies sent out, right? There were only two of them that had eager feet after that experience. Caleb and Joshua, right? So naturally, Joshua was on my all-pro team. I mean, he, he talked about eager feet. I mean, he was ready to go into the promised land. him into the promised land. The interesting story is Moses himself, See, Moses is not unlike our character Falco in the football game. See, Moses thought he could take on Egypt in his own strength, and so he killed an Egyptian and ended up hiding out for, I don't know, 40 years. <laughs> all the time bait and buying into Satan's lie that you don't have what it takes. You can't play in the big leagues anymore. You used to be with Pharaoh and all the boys, but now you can't hang. You know, you're out there in the woods. You don't have what it takes anymore. Now, it's an interesting thing. If you read, and this week I was studying it, if you go through Genesis, 3, excuse me, Exodus is where Moses hangs out. In Exodus 3 through 9, if you count the times it says go, it says go 50 times. God is saying, Moses, go. Go. <laughs> go. <laughs> time and time and time again, right? And, and if you look at the passage that we shared in your bulletins there from Isaiah, it says, when you go through the rivers, I'm going to be with you, right? When they rise up over you. I, but the, the point of the passage is you got to go. Otherwise, <laughs> you know, it doesn't say if you're sitting on your couch, I'm going to be with you. It doesn't doesn't say, have you ever noticed that, and I love John Ortman in his book, we're talking about Peter getting out of the boat, that they don't call them risky boys that you sit in while you're watching that football game. They call them lazy boys. (laughs) But you'll notice that those are verbs. Be strong, be courageous, they're verbs, they're action. I'm going to be with you when you do these things. And so he finally got Moses. And I don't know if you ever thought about this. I just pondered some things. Like, you know that Moses wasn't Moses' name when he was born? Did you ever think about that? He had a Hebrew name. Moses is an Egyptian name. It actually means drawn out of the Nile... Which has some godlike implications to it to an Egyptian, because coming out of the Nile was like a thing to them. So th- there's a lot to that name, Moses, and he kept it. But I think when we get to heaven, it's not going to be Moses. It's going to be like, Tavav or something. They say the Jews' original name. But it's something to think about. It's also interesting to think that he spoke fluent Egyptian. Did you ever wonder why he was slow of speech? Have you ever? T- Known somebody I've interviewed people on the radio that English was not their first language, and they're slow of speech, because they're thinking in whatever language it is that they, and then they have to translate that into. Well, when Moses went to speak to the Israelites, he was slow of speech. but when he went to talk to Pharaoh, that was his native language. I can talk to that guy. It's interesting, just little side notes, things to ponder when you're in the scripture. but I, <clears throat> Moses makes the team. Because I mean you gotta admit, it takes some eager feet to stand out in front of the Red Sea with a boat stick and say, okay, I mean we're going now. That's some eager feet. <laughs> right? But I thought think about it. the women in the Bible with eager feet. Have you thought about that? I'd have to have Ruth on my team. Right? She told her, Naomi, you know, where you go, I'm going. She had eager feet. She went out and gleaned when there was no food. I mean, I'm going to do what it takes. I mean, that was a courageous woman. Hannah, a courageous woman. Esther, oh, my word. (laughs) One swing of the stick the wrong way, and you're gone. I mean, she was a courageous, eager feet. And how about David? Wow, he had some seriously eager feet take on Goliath when, you know, he was a boy, that's eager feet. Of course, you get to, you know, you can, but I, what I, the reason I throw all those out there is I just wonder if you football lovers out there, if you've ever decided to make your fantasy Bible football team out there, what would that look like? You know, I thought about Samson. I thought, no, his head's going to be on the cheerleaders. This is going to be a problem. <laughs> You know, Deborah she's she was oh man, she had some eager feet and whoa. Heavy duty. So you got plenty of people to consider. But one of my all-time favorites, and I know he's gonna be a a split in for me, is Ahima Haas. Who knows who Ahima Haas is? (laughs) <laughs> he was David's runner, right? He was the guy that, <clears throat> when Joab shish-kebobbed Absalom, he was like, let me go tell him, let me go tell him, I'm going to run. And he outruns the other guy after he gets about an hour, you know, head start. I mean, Ahimaaz had some seriously eager feet. <clears throat> That's cool to think about, but then you get the New Testament, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's just loaded with eager feet. Of course, Jesus... I mean, the picture of eager feet. And I want you to think about, as he was winding together the cord of strands that he went to go clear the temple with. The courage. That was premeditated, that he would be winding this cord together to go do this. Yeah, he, he definitely... He makes a New Testament theme a little unbeatable, I'm just saying. <laughs> but how about Peter? Oh, talk about eager feet. I love, I mean, that guy's out of the boat in a heartbeat, isn't he? Not just, and, and actually my favorite part is not when he walked on the water, although that's cool, and James has a really cool, cool teaching on that I heard this week. I got to record with him. But the second time he jumps out of the boat was when he saw Jesus on the beach. <clears throat> Right, And he's out of the boat in the middle of the lake. Jesus is there and I got to go. I mean, he had eager feet. Paul. Wow, eager feet. Okay? But as I thought about the New Testament, my favorite eager feet, not that Jesus isn't my favorite, (coughs) but of all the human characters, I have to tell you, the ones that really got down in my heart this week were the Marys. Because eager feet are eager when you could possibly lose your life by showing up in this scene. And, you know, a couple weeks ago we talked about the Chronicles of Narnia in the episode where Lucy and Susan are in the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. I don't know if any of you have ever read that passage, but, oh my goodness. C.S. Lewis does a beautiful job of illustrating the two Marys when Aslan is going to be slain on the big stone table. In the movie, they seem to put all the emphasis on the big battle that comes after that. But in the book, the emphasis is on the time that that Susan and Lucy spent with Aslan, both during his walk, right? They stayed awake, unlike Peter, Paul, and the boys. (laughs) They stayed awake all the way. They stood and watched like the two Marys did. That whole time, everything that happened, they stood there. I don't know that I could. And they stayed all night, and the body of Aslan sits on the big stone table. And they begin to try to figure out what to do. And they stay all night and they begin to get cold and they begin to walk back and forth and it's definitely worth reading what happens afterwards because (coughs) they brought out something I would never thought about at the crucifixion. They said, because Aslan's body disappears right about daybreak, when the stone table breaks in half, the body disappears. And they go, oh my gosh, they're abusing him more. And I never thought about that (coughs) as Mary was, where is my Lord going? Where have they taken him? (coughs) have you ever thought that she was concerned that the Romans were abusing his body? They couldn't get enough of him in life. They had to continue to beat on him after he was dead, and it was something I hadn't even thought about, was her sadness, where she was at that point in time where she was. But she was the one that was there. She was the first one there. I mean, she had eager feet because of that. She's an all-star on the Robbie Dillmore All-Pro Bible team. There's no doubt about it. I'm good, I think. <laughs> I don't have the flu, I bet. I'm just. Still... When you're on the radio a lot, you end up with that sometimes. But I started to think about how did these people get that? How did they get these eager feet? And so I started to do a word, Sortana Mates, the Hebrew word, and to see where I could find it in the Bible. And interestingly, you'll find it. David wrote about it. <clears throat> in fact, he writes about it, Hazakamates, and he writes about it in the 27th Psalm. The 27th psalm, if you read it, the last verse, which I believe is verse 14, it says, wait on the Lord. That's what your translation says, but if you read it in Hebrew, it says, Kavah, Yehovah, Hazak, Amates, be strong, be courageous, your heart. So there's some connection to waiting on the Lord to becoming strong and courageous. And I went, what is that? So I look inside that word, "kava," And here, my mind got totally blown. And I, you know, when you think about it, the word wait, wait to begin with is a verb. Because, you know, it's like, wait on the Lord? Really? <laughs> <All right. laughs> no. Standing in line, waiting on the Lord? No. That's not what it's a picture of. Not even close. You know the first time the word kavah is used in the Bible is when God gathered the waters together. So the word kavah is actually a gathering together, but it's a gathering together of fibers to make a rope and twisting. Now if you've ever watched a spinning wheel in action, it's a beautiful thing. Here they take these little bitty fibers and they've got some tension on the string and it's spinning like this and as they add the fibers you watch somebody that's good at it and it makes a yarn. right? So each of those fibers is being twisted into that yarn and it's making this cord. So I went and watched some YouTube videos making, spinning hemp into a line. What does that look like? That looked cool. I saw that. And then I came across this video that I'm going to show you. It's two minutes. I think it's so well worthwhile. But I want to share some stuff with it, about it before you see it. Unless it starts by accident, and then we'll watch it, and then I'll share. But anyway. We have this ancient place in England that they're going to make this rope. And at the beginning... You'll see the fibers that they spun in to make the string, but they don't show them actually spinning the string. But what you end up with is the string. But they take two strings together, and they twist those together to make a cord. And then they take three of those cords with a thing called a top, and when you see it, you go, oh, that's why it's called a top. It looks like a top. And that top fits in some grooves of those three cords, and as they twist that, it makes what we know to be a rope. And you know, Ecclesiastes 14, a cord of three strands is not easily broken, right? So now, when you see this top start to go down these three cords, I want you to think about, if you're waiting on the Lord, you're being twisted, your core, your fibers are being twisted in tension into the very cord of the body of Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit... (laughs) It's such a picture. It's unbelievable. I'll never forget this as long as I live. When you see this top come down and you watch the rope being made from the three cords, it's like, oh, my goodness. So waiting on the Lord is not passive by any means. It's twisting
1: into him. It's leaning in. And take a look at this. It's beautiful. In preparation for their trawling expedition, Alex has come to see rope maker Ted Baker.
2: Hello, Alex. How are you? Very well. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the rope walk. Great start. Good. So this is what we're going to be making today, then, is it? That's right. It's made from sisal, right? And it's a fiber very thin grows
1: the sisal fibers are spun into a string from which the rope is made
2: right. but
1: by the time we finish twisting and turning our rope yep. we'll have a rope that can pull
2: about half a ton right it's called a rope walk because there's a bit of walking up and down to do right okay, okay. so the first thing i'm going to get you to do alex yep take our sisal here right up to the other end of the rope walk uh, okay and hook it over the right hand hook right on hand the wheel. hook okay off i like go like that. that's it alex i should point out in the old days they used to run you know OK, well, will try and pick the pace up, Ted. Just slip it over the right-hand hook. OK, back
1: to the, the rope end. walk at Morwellham Quay is 20 yards long.
2: Yeah, right, OK.
1: Britain's longest rope walk was at Chatham Docks on the River Medway and is still in use today. At a quarter of a mile long, workers used bicycles to travel its length. Now, what we're going to do by turning
2: the handle up at the other end... Yeah. ..is twist each of these pairs into one. So we'll end up with three strong single lines to make our three core rope with. 48, 49, 50.
1: With the three strands of sisal fully twisted, Alex can now begin combining them to make the rope using the rope maker's top.
2: It's actually making itself. I'm not really doing anything just stopping this top from slipping out completely. But that's great, and you can see the twists working against each other there. This is looking fairly even to me. yeah Very often, young people would be doing this for 12 hours a day, six days a week, and they would be expected to make about three miles of rope a day. Three miles a day? Three miles a day. Yeah.
1: The final job is to stretch out the excess energy wound into the rope.
2: That's, oh, that's it. Better. Starting right. to go. Starting yeah. to go. I don't want to pull this post out of the ground here. Eh? <laughs> If you just let it drop on the floor, we can see we've got a nice straight piece of rope for you to use there.
0: Don't miss the end of that. (laughs) They stretch out the rope after it's been wound. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever waited on the Lord, but there's a lot of stretching that seems to be involved in that. I'm just saying that they, the picture is absolutely remarkable. That as we wait and we pray, and we get in community like your wonderful Sunday school this morning or your prayer teams that you do on Sunday night. If we testify about what the Lord's done in our heart or we read scripture, we're twisting in. We're twisting into that three-chord strand. And the result, this is the part you don't want to miss, eager feet. Eager feet. Now, It just so happens that Lucy, in Prince Caspian, is the perfect example of eager feet. Now, you know that the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe has happened, and now they find themselves in a later adventure of Prince Caspian. And they're actually out in the woods, and Prince Caspian is being attacked on all sorts of sides, and, and they're trying to find him to help rescue him. And you got Lucy and Edward and Peter and the group that's Narnian's, you know, folks. And Lucy spots Aslan as they're trying to find their way through the woods. And she tells her brothers and sisters that I see Aslan, we need to go that way. And Edmund sides with her for a change, but everybody else sides against her and they don't go with her. And as a result, they get horribly lost because they didn't do what your fine Sunday school teacher (laughs) suggested this morning, which was listen. Jesus. (laughs) For Jesus. <laughs> and in, a, in an extent, even though Lucy was the one that saw him, neither did she. But I missed that in my first reading. But Aslan points this out to us as she sees that night she can't sleep. <clears throat> and so her eager feet get her up. And she begins to walk as she begins to hear her name being called by Aslin. as a picture of Jesus. And I'll pick it up from there. A circle of grass met smooth as lawn met her eyes, with dark trees dancing around it. And then, oh joy! for he was there, the huge lion shining white. the moonlight was in his huge black shadow underneath him. But for the moment of his, his tail, he might be a stone. But Lucy never thought of that. She never stopped to think whether he was a friendly lion or not. She rushed to him, eager feet, right? She felt her heart would burst if she lost a moment, and the next thing she knew, she was kissing him and putting her arms around him, his neck, and she could bury her face in beneath the rich silkiness of his mane. Aslan, dear Aslan, sobbed Lucy at last. The great beast rolled over on his side on that Lucy fell half sitting on half lying between his front paws. He bent forward and just touched her nose with his tongue. His warm breath came around her. She gazed into his large, wise face. Welcome, child, he said. Aslan said, Lucy, you're bigger. That's because you're older. Little one, answered he, not because you are. I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. (laughs) That's awesome. For a time, she was so happy that she didn't want to speak, but Aslan spoke. Lucy, he said, we must not lie here long. You have work in hand, and much time has been lost today. Yes, wasn't it a shame, said Lucy. I saw you all right. They wouldn't believe me. They're all so, oh, well, for somewhere deep inside Aslan's body, there came the faintest suggestion of a growl. I'm sorry, said Lucy. You understood some of his moods. I didn't mean to start slanging the others, but it wasn't my fault anyway, was it? The lion looked straight into her eyes. Oh, Aslan, said Lucy, you don't mean it was. How could I? I could not have left the others and come up to you alone. How could I? Don't look at me like that. Oh, well, I suppose I could. Yes, and it wouldn't have been alone, I know. Not if I was with you. But would have that been good? Aslan said, nothing. You mean, said Lucy, rather faintly, that it would have turned out all right somehow? But how? Please, Aslan, I need to know. To know what would have happened, child, said Aslan? No, nobody's ever told that. Oh, dear, said Lucy, but anyone can find out what will happen, said Aslan. Get that? But anyone can find out what will happen. If you go back to the others now and wake them up and tell them you've seen me again and that you must all get up at once and follow me. What will happen? There's only one way to find out. Do you mean Do you mean that is what you want me to do, gasped Lucy? Yes, little one, said Aslan. Will the others see you too? asked Lucy. Certainly not at first, said Aslan. Later on it depends. But they won't believe me, said Lucy. It doesn't matter, said Aslan. Oh dear, oh dear, said Lucy. And I was so pleased at finding you again, and I thought you'd let me stay, and I thought you'd come roaring in and frighten away all the enemies like the last time, and now everything is going to be horrid. It's hard for you, little one, said Aslan, but things never happen the same way twice. It has been hard for us in Narnia before now. Lucy buried, get this part, this is where she's twisting into the rope here. <laughs> Watch what happens. Lucy buried her head in his mane to hide from her face, but there must have been magic in his mane. She could feel lion strength going into her. Quite suddenly she sat up and said, I'm sorry, Aslan, I'm ready now. Now you're a linus, said Aslan, and now our all, Arnia, all Narnia will be renewed but come, we have no time to lose. How many times in your life did you hear and you knew the direction you were supposed to go? (laughs) Nobody would believe you. They think you're whacked. You're crazy. You didn't really hear that. What a beautiful picture this is to me of Lucy getting eager feet. And I have not read the end of the story, honestly. That's where I finished. I just read that and I just had to ponder on it for a while. I have this really secure thought that somehow or another after she got those eager feet that the battle would be won. As David's was, as Joshua's was, as Moses's was, as Peter's was, as Paul's was, as Stephen's was. Right? The book, the Bible, is not a book of exceptions. It's a book of examples. Of people that heard and twisted in and got those eager feet and the lion heart to go share what Christ has done for them and bring the kingdom forward. Now, in my opinion, the end zone is in the football. The end zone is the kingdom of God. Matthew 12 says, right, the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. It's headed towards the end zone. If you grab hold of the football, it is going to draw you to the end zone. But in order to do that, you have to twist, you have to wait on the Lord. See, that top is coming, and it may not come at the speed you want it to, and obviously Lucy was hoping that Aslan would get there much quicker than he did, <clears throat> but he's coming. But he's got to wait till those other fibers <clears throat> get included before he gets to you sometimes. <laughs> I don't know how it all works, but I know it works. Lord, I pray that today you would help us to see this picture, help us to be strong and courageous as we twist into you as we understand a little more of the kingdom, a little more of kingdom wealth, and of what really matters, and essentially the love that you have for us if we will go to that place at the cross that really Mary went and twist it into you, you would... Certainly give us courageous hearts to share that news. I thank you for a chance to share it so much today. And pray that we would all be encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen.